episode of Wild Out with Tarek, the most unapologetic podcast in the game. Uh, yeah, we about to get it in. I got my man in the building, my man David Tinsley from 10 Bridges Films. Go ahead and introduce yourself, brother. Hey, I'm uh, David Tinsley, born and raised in Detroit. Uh, I'm a filmmaker. I'm also an engineer. I'm also a husband. I'm a father. I'm a son, brother, so on and so forth, and I'm just happy to be on the show. Oh, uh, man, much appre- I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you being here, brother. Uh... I want to talk about these films, right? So when we were uh, talking about you coming on the show, you sent me, you know, you sent me your bio and then you sent me uh, your, your body of work. And so far, from, from what you sent me, you produced a series, right, called Nine Months After. So how did that series, so, you know, I, I was at work, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, fuck, I'm about to watch this couple episodes of work because fuck this job, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let me do some research for my real business, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and support my man's show. So I'm watching the show, and it's black, it's funny, it's dope, you know what I'm saying? The, the dialogue, the music, everything is, so how did that come together? How, like, where did that come from? Yeah, well, my best friend, he's actually in the movie. Uh, he stars in the movie, Marcus Dupree. He lives out in California. He's an actor out there doing his thing. And the young lady who stars opposite of him is Javicia Leslie. She's actually uh, on the show on the CW, Batwoman, the first black Batwoman. So it's kind of historical. But I worked with her before everything just kind of took off for her, thank God, because I wouldn't be able to afford her today. <laughs> Not that I paid her then, but you get my point. So um, anyway, it, it was this situation where I had these breakups, one in high school and one in college before I met the person who's my wife today. And the shit kind of hurt me a lot. It fucked me up a bit, and I wanted to be uh, honest, reflective, and transparent about my part in the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I pretty much combined both situations together came up with this story because I wanted to show the ups and downs uh, that people go through after a breakup. You know, okay. how you know you break up, you're trying to stay away from each other, you somehow end up relapsing, so on and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what that's really what I wanted to capture or exemplify on screen, and I wrote it from the heart. And it was important for me to pick two actors who would have great chemistry. Mm-hmm. So I already knew my boy Mark was going to be a part of it, and I saw Javicia on a show. Uh, I can't remember the name of the show, but it's Black and Sexy TV was the network on um, on YouTube. And I saw her on this show, and she just had this just uh, like natural rawness about her. You know what I'm saying? And and just you know her eyes and uh, you know her her ability to be able to immerse herself in the character. And I, I wanted to have that on this show, but I didn't think I would be able to, to, to get her. So I just sent her an email, and I said, hey, I'd love to work with you because you could get to her email through her Instagram. Mm-hmm. She responded. She said, send me the script. So I sent her the script, and she was like, oh, 
think it's kind of dope. Let's meet up. And we met up, and her and Marcus just hit it off. It was almost like they had been knowing each other for years, so I knew that that chemistry was spillover into like the actual filming of it. Mm-hmm. And when we did it, man, my whole style is to try to make it to where you can't tell where the script begins or where it ends. I want it to feel so natural and, and improvised to where people are able to, to honestly see themselves in the characters, and, and that's kind of how, how everything happened. Wow. So... So I uh, so like I say I I'm, I watched a few episodes and I, I I was just recently uh I just read Will Smith's book right so just that creative mind right I admire that in in any film you know uh Dick Wolf Law and Order just to to write those fucking stories because I could I couldn't do that you know what I'm saying so I admire it so when I'm watching it I'm like yo. This shit is dope. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When you sent it to me, I'm like, wow. So how did you get into filmmaking? Like, where, did you come from a writing background? Where, how, how did you get into making film? Because I, I want to get into your uh, to the movie that you sent, mm-hmm. Project 8. But uh, let, let's just get into how you got into writing scripts, producing films. Where did that come from? Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of crazy you mentioned that. Uh, I, I started, I always had... Um, I don't know, an interest in film. You know, I grew up uh, on East 7 Mile. So, uh, like, East 7 Mile Hoover area, pretty much, right? Mm -hmm. Near Osborne High School. So, what I would always do to escape my environment and where I was at, I would walk down to, I think it was Phoenix Theater at the time, but now it was back to Bel Air. It kind of bounced back and forth with respect to the name of the theater. But I would walk maybe a couple of miles from where I live all the way to there, and uh, I knew somebody who worked there, so they would even let me in when I wasn't supposed to be in there because I was <laughs> underage, and I would lose myself in that. And at that time, I didn't know I wanted to be a filmmaker. I just knew I loved the way that it made me feel because no matter what situation you were in, uh, in reality, you can somewhat escape that for a minute. You know what I'm saying? It right. It go back to, to your reality once the uh, credits ended. But, uh, <laughs> but e- either way, that was kind of what uh, sparked my interest in the beginning. And then when I got to college... University of Michigan up in Ann Arbor, I majored in uh, something called interdisciplinary engineering, which was pretty difficult for me. Uh, you know, definitely wasn't an easy role, but I wanted something else to offset that. You know, so I minored in African American theater, and I was taught by the late great professor uh, Dickerson, Linda Dickerson. So that's where I took an interest in it, and I was acting pretty much, and that's where my interest lied. So I ended up. Uh, graduating from Michigan, I went out to India, a whole new country for six months. India? India. Wow. And that was my first time ever getting on a plane. Wow. So yeah. the first time on a plane and you out the country. I'm hood, east side, Detroit dude. I'm not hood. I'm just from the <laughs> from hood, the hood. So to speak. So for me, uh, I knew when I left college, because I was so used to being around just black people of, a, of the same culture. Even when I was at CAST, that's all I was around was black people. And then I get to Michigan, it was predominantly white, but I'm only with my select Right, I'm, o- I'm only with my crew. So I still didn't have to necessarily deal with people outside of my race and culture like that. So I said, you know what, I got to just throw myself into the most uncomfortable situation imaginable. And that's what I did. And I can remember, man, when I flew there, because I had offers from other places, General Dynamics and Sterling Heights. I did two years of an internship there when I was at Michigan, but I turned it down because, to me, it wasn't an uncomfortable enough situation, and I had to get away from my environment. And what better time to do it than while I'm still young, right? Absolutely. So just because I wanted to experience that. So I get to India, man. I get off that plane. The air is different. The fucking soil is – everything is different. (laughs) And I'm like, man, I can't just, you know, take a – 
uh, Uber. Uber didn't even exist at that time. And get back to Detroit if I wanted to. I'm here. <laughs> right. For six months, man. I stayed there in Mysore, India, for two months. And then I was in Bangalore for about a couple of months. And then I was in Chennai for another couple of months, right? So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, I went to all of these different locations there. But in the beginning, we had to train. And the training you had to pass with like a 3.0 or higher or some shit like that. Otherwise, you wouldn't have got the job when you got back to the United States. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was do or die. So I get out there, and I got this raggedy-ass laptop, and I bullshit you not, the first week or so, my hard drive failed, right? And it's me, and it's 22 other people over there. I'm the only black dude. Everybody else's laptop, totally fine. So what happened is that we would wake up, we go to the class at like 8 a.m., and we get out of class at like 5 p.m., right? And then the Americans, and I was included in that group, we had the luxury of having our laptops so we can just go back to our rooms and study the rest of the night. Well, it wasn't the case for the Indians over there who were in the same program and Malaysians and Australians, all of these people who didn't have the same luxuries and amenities as the U.S. people. So they had to stay there and study. You get what I'm trying to say? So right. my laptop fell, and I didn't want nobody else to know because I didn't want nobody else to think that I was a victim or feel sorry for me or some shit like that. So what I ended up doing is just staying at the facility. So the day didn't end for me at 5 p.m. I'm there till like 12 a.m. I'm 8 to 12 a.m. every night because I had to pass it. I had nothing else to come back to. And I had my mom and my sister who were kind of dependent on me a bit because I was making 60,000 rupees a month out there. At that time, it was about 2,000 U.S. dollars a month. So I would take 1,000, pocket it, and I'd take 500 percentage of my sister, and then I take the other 500 cents to my mind so, you know, they can pay bills or whatever the case may be. And uh, literally, I got through. Now, I told my mama about this, so she sent me a hard drive. But the damn hard drive didn't come to the damn program was over. That's <laughs> how bad it is <laughs> with respect to being out there when you're trying to transfer money mm. or anything. The other thing is just it was a huge cultural difference. So if you're standing at the ATM line and you're trying to get money out, there, they don't respect personal space the same way. Right. They was, like, extremely close a few times where I had to, like, man, back up off me. But then you turn around, you realize you outnumbered, and you're like, well, just fuck it, right? <laughs> so if that whole hard drive thing hadn't happened, I wouldn't have been able to immerse myself in the culture and learn from all of these people because they were there at the facility with me, and we had to work together and talk and exchange ideas and teach each other about our cultures and, and this, that, and the third, as opposed to the other Americans who had the freedom and luxury to just go back to their rooms. Right. And, you know. Right. Yeah. That's wow. Crazy, right? Wow. <laughs> so, 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 okay, and I know you want to probably ask some questions about that. I ended up coming back. I was like third, you know, as far as my grades there, despite the fact that, you know, my hard drive messed up. But I think it, you know, uh, ended up being a good thing because that sense of urgency to survive, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and then we get back to the U.S. I get this job. I'm working as a contractor at American Express out in Phoenix. And then I'm working there for about a couple of months. Lockheed Martin hit me up. You know, it's an aeronautics company out there. And they like, hey, we want to hire you. So, or interview you. So I went in for the interview. My resume sucked. I didn't know how to write a resume. But the lady was like, man, you know what? You're kind of charming, so I'm going to give you a shot. Thank God she did. Her name is Mickey Martin, too. And still to this day, I've talked to her. A white lady, about 60-something years old. So anyway, she hired me. I worked there for a minute. But while I was in Arizona, I'm doing plays. And mm -hmm. I had one play that went to the... Uh, uh, National Black Theater Festival in Winston-Salem, North Carolina called Revenge of a King. So I did about two or three plays out there. Uh, and then... So you were acting. I was acting while I was still doing engineering. Okay. Right? Uh, and I was a systems engineer, you know, out there when I was working for Lockheed Martin. But I'm acting at night. I'm going to play rehearsal, all of that stuff, doing community theater. 
And then I ended up getting a promotion. That promotion moved me out to California because that was my plan in the beginning. When I left India, I was supposed to get placed in, in, in L.A. But a month before I left India, they changed it to, to Phoenix. Mm. Thank God they did because Phoenix was one of the best cities I've ever lived in by far. Even over L.A. Right. I, oh. I, I love Arizona. I Man, love Arizona. I love Arizona. I'm glad I got a chance to experience that. So anyway, I ended up going to L.A. off the promotion. I'm doing more plays. My wife ended up moving out there because we were long distance for four, about four years. So you were already married at the time. I wasn't married. We was, See, I met my wife my sophomore year of college. Okay. And she was a freshman. Okay. Yeah. And y'all, but and y'all, so y'all were together through the India and all of that the whole time. When okay. I, when I left and went to India, she had another year of undergrad to go, mm-hmm. and then she had four more years on top of that mm-hmm. because she she's a dentist now. Okay. So we were long distance that whole time, and then she ended up moving to L.A. in uh, 2011. She did a residency at UCLA, right? And when she moved out, uh, she would often hear me complaining about the roles that I was getting and i'm like i don't want to play this person i don't want to play no pimp or no hustler you know it got to be something else out there she said well stop complaining and do something about it that's what started so that's that that transitioned you from acting to writing and to, to actually writing and actually i'm gonna be honest i was better at theater i wasn't necessarily that good at film and i and i always think if you're going to choose a purpose or uh something to, to do that gives you purpose and meaning two things one is that it should be something that you would do for free, right? Facts. The second thing is that there should be some sign that you're actually getting better at it. <laughs> like, at, <laughs> Otherwise, it's like, well, what the fuck am I doing, right? Right. So right. acting was something that was needed for me to really find that thing that I could do for free, you know, if, if even if I wasn't getting paid, but that I also was getting better at. So that's why I got behind the, the camera. And I thought my skills would be best suited for, for that part of filmmaking. And I started making my own shit. So I started off with this series called The Mirror's Tour uh, back, I think my, my, the first season might have released in 2011 when my wife was out there. I did some short films, and then that led to me doing some other stuff, hooked on platonics, a few other things. It's all on YouTube. And then that led to Nine Months After, which eventually led to Project 8, which was the first film I did when I moved back here to Michigan. So I was out there in L.A. from 2009 to 2018. And me and my wife moved back. Yep. Oh wow! So I gave you everything. That's like the whole story. That that's it. <laughs> that, that that it, man. But but see, that, that's an amazing, uh, that's an amazing journey. You know what I'm saying? Thanks, that 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 is a fucking amazing journey. Yeah. You know, from you know. So I'm an engineer. I'm at Lockheed, but this is my passion. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, this will give me a check. This will pay the bills. But this is my purpose. Yep. This is this is what God put me on this earth to do. Mm-hmm. This right here. So I'm going to roll with that. And to have that person in your corner, to have that woman in your corner, and I'm so glad you said she did. I've been looking for another dentist. Oh, man. Right off the uh, Diamond Smiles off Jefferson, black on. I've been, exactly. I've been <laughs> looking for another dentist. My dentist so fucking far, and I've stopped going to him, mm-hmm. and he not black. So. Yeah, we gonna. I'm gonna tap in with your wife because we we gonna get these teeth together. You know what I'm saying? So, but to have that support system to say, listen, man, tighten up. No, fuck all the bitches. What, what you gonna do about it? You know what I'm saying? And to have that push into your passion because she could have been fuck that shit. Focus on getting another promotion at this engineering shit. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Chase the bag Absolutely. over here versus chasing your purpose. Absolutely. 
That is beautiful in itself. Listen, she said, stop that complaining, stop that bitching. What you going to do about it? Right? Uh, complaining don't help. So at all. don't worry about what you can, which is what's in your control, and that's you. So for me, that's the biggest benefit of having somebody like that is that I have somebody to contend with me that I respect that's going to you know, hold me accountable. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I could get into it with a friend over DM. And then I show my wife the exchange and say, hey, man, read this and, and tell me what you think. And she'll be like, well, you know, first off, you shouldn't have had this exchange over DM. Because when you have the exchange over DM, the person can misconstrue what you're saying and take it any kind of way. So you should have called her so that she understood how you were saying things and, and understood that you weren't trying to insult her and, and all sorts of things like that. So my wife is quick to hold me accountable and tell me when I need to tighten up and what I could have done better. And then without that woman there to sort of contend with me and tell me that, then it doesn't help me to grow in the ways that I need to grow, right? So, I mean, that's the biggest benefit to having a woman that you respect and that you trust to hold you accountable is that it fosters growth. Having the right person in your life is, that's half the fucking battle. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it don't matter what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? You have to have that the right person. Yeah. And the right. The right, right. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> everything, every when you don't have the right person in your life, everything becomes that much more difficult. You know what I mean? Especially for a black man in America. When when, when you got somebody that's gonna support you, mm-hmm. it's Man, it's the fucking world. Yeah. You really feel like, hey, I can do anything. Absolutely. I, it, it ain't nothing I can't accomplish. Absolutely. With the backing that I got, and like you say, it's the same with me. I grew up with my mom and my sister, too. So it was just us three. Yep, you know what I'm saying? That's it. Mm-hmm. Me, my mom, and my sister. So it's, it's all on me. Mm-hmm. It all falls on me. Yeah, yeah. You know, sink or swim, win, lose, or draw, it's all on me. Mm-hmm. And, man, to, to meet that woman... Yeah, what, sophomore year, her freshman year? Yeah, yeah. And to, man, and to have her support you the way she did, that's 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 amazing. Man, she wasn't like the other women that I had dated prior. And no disrespect to those other women, but see, back in high school, I was trying to be something that I that I wasn't, mm-hmm. fit in, trying to be popular. And by the time I got to college, I said, you know what, fuck that. I'm going to be who I am. You right. Know, I'm a little, uh, I'm different, I'm... Uh, eccentric at times I'm, I'm a bit introverted at times and i don't really like going to clubs, shit like that so i would say in high school i went out more just because i went with whatever the crowd was right that, that's that's what was popping that's what was popping that ain't what the fuck i wanted to do yeah, it wasn't what i wanted to do. <laughs> when i got to college literally i probably went out with my boys whenever they went to a party on campus or off campus probably 10 percent of the time that i was there and then the other time i was in the library because i'm like man i i barely made it into this motherfucker <laughs> I, then I got to graduate on top of that. I feel like I'm behind everybody else because, let's be real, DPS schools aren't necessarily comparable to some of these other suburban schools, right? Oh, my goodness. So I didn't really feel – I didn't hit my stride into junior year because that's the year where it was – where, like, all of the material was new for everybody. But it seemed like the first two years, these motherfuckers already knew this shit. I'm like, how y'all, how y'all I, already know this? I swear. So – and I didn't even go to a U of M. I went – I graduated from Cody in 2001. So I graduated on a, let's say I graduated on a on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. I started Wayne State at that Monday. Mm-hmm. I had zero break. I had to go to summer school because I knew I barely made it the fuck out of Cody. Yeah. So I can't, you know, I can't wait, man. I got to Wayne State and these motherfuckers had already read <laughs> Shakespeare, and you know they knew 
you know, in depth Susan B. Anthony yeah. and all of this shit. They they talking about shit in, in classes that I ain't never heard of. Exactly. We ain't never heard of this shit in Cody. Exactly. Miss Rhodes didn't teach me this in English. <laughs> we did not read Hamlet, ma'am. I don't know nothing about Etu Brute and you know the Caesar. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, know nothing yeah. about this shit. Yeah. I'm hearing it for the first time. And so I felt so much behind. Bro, I made it all the way to college without knowing how to do long division. Shit. Yeah. I could not I do it, man. I could not do long division. They found me out. As soon as I got to Wayne State, they like, this nigga can't divide. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I can get you the answer, but I can't show you my work in in, you know, because I'm gonna use multiplication. I'm gonna use the reverse. Yep. So and, and and that's how I, I finesse. So my I had to take remedial math when I first got to Wayne State. So they was like, no, we got to catch you up to to your peers. So I know exactly what you're talking, what talking about. about. You know, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about in that. But so when you transition from acting to producing, how was it trying to write your first script? What was that process like? Like, did you have a writing background? How did that? How no, how, how mean, did that happen? Not, not at all. So what what happened? You know, being out in L.A., man, everything is is at your your fingertips. So you know, all of my friends out there was trying to do the same shit. So I would just kind of ask them, "Hey, man, send me you know a script that you've worked on before." And then not only that, they have websites and databases where you can go on there and get like famous scripts, like from Django Unchained and all of these movies or whatever, right? So if you read other people's stuff and just kind of figure out the, the rhythm and, and the cadence of how some of these great people write, uh, you know, you just work on trying to apply it to what you're doing. You know, you still a little bit from here, still a little bit from there, structure-wise, you know what I'm saying? And then just kind of make sure you you uh, include your unique storytelling ability or, or subject matter in it, right? So that's what I was doing. I was just learning from other people f- from a structure standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also just learning, you know, what an action block is and, you know, what, you know, the character, where to put the character name, where the dialogue starts, you know, and, you know, off screen, on screen and all this different types of shit to sort of make it pop and make it something that other actors would be able to follow, right? Because the worst thing you can do is write a script in fucking Microsoft Word and you got all these actors out there in LA that you're trying to work with, and they like, yo, you couldn't even do this in Final Draft, my nigga. You couldn't, you know what I'm saying? You could <laughs> this don't follow the, the format that I'm used to seeing. So I had to learn that just to sort of legitimize my business, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. And uh and then that's kind of how it happened. And I wrote the first one, man. All I had was my wife there to sort of, you know, look at the stuff and be like, no, nah, that ain't what a, a woman would say. That's not what a black woman would say. So she was like my damn revisionist, so to speak. Um and then my friends, I'd bounce stuff off of them. But, you know, when I look back at the first movie I did, I cringe, you know, because it's like, shit, that was actually pretty bad. But it's not really about where you start. It's kind of about the growth. So I got exactly. better and better. And, but I'm going to be honest with you. It's a, um, it's a tough process because you can do like, I don't know, 15 rewrites of a script before you get to the point to where you're like, yep, this is it. And who knows when that's going to happen. But if you if you being honest with yourself, if you got people around you who are going to hold you accountable and you care about having the best product rather than – and you put that over your feelings getting hurt when somebody tell you that your shit is whack, then it's <laughs> going to take a minute. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And, and that's kind of uh, – that's been my way of doing things, and, and that's why I try to surround myself with people who are going to be transparent and create the space for them to be comfortable being honest with me in those situations. So, yeah, man, that's kind of how – at least that was my process of making – my first script, and that's I still kind of stick to that today. Yeah, so, so you know, it's super important to you know not surround yourself with fucking yes men. You know, motherfuckers who just gonna support it. You know, just tell you what the fuck you want to hear. Hell yeah. you, you'll never grow. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so I was explaining this to somebody 
probably two days ago. Like, if a motherfucker is telling you everything that they think you want to hear, that person don't give a fuck about you. Oh, no. You know what I'm saying? That person don't give a fuck about you for real, for real. You know, you have to find that motherfucker that's going to tell you what you need to hear when you need to hear it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, I can understand that, you know, if I'm writing a fucking book, if I'm doing a podcast, if I'm doing this, this, that, and that, I got to have somebody around me that's going to tell me the truth. Don't just... Be dick sucking, talk about, oh yeah, that shit dope. No, nigga had me out here to the public looking <laughs> stupid than the motherfucker. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you gotta tell your homeboy that his mixtape is trash. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It, because man. that's how that man is gonna get better. Absolutely. You know what I mean? At the same time, too, it's about creating that space. And when I was in uh, my 20s, I can remember my wife, like there was a time where she probably would be reluctant to tell me that maybe an ex reached out to her, you know, via DM or, you know, Facebook Messenger because I was jealous. At that point, I was insecure. I wasn't in control over my emotions. My father went to prison when I was two. Uh, he got out when I was seven. He, he uh, Then he went back 10 months later and didn't get out until I was 25. Mm. So when you raised with just women, sometimes it's a little harder to to figure out how to manage your emotions and, and to think logically, right? Because, of course, our emotions aren't valid. Most of the fucking time they're not. Facts. And, and sometimes you have to think about it and say, okay, I understand my emotions are real, but how can I respond or react to this in a logical manner? So at that time in my 20s, I wasn't doing that. So again, I can understand why my wife would have been reluctant to tell me something like that. Because she like, even though she ain't doing nothing wrong, I don't want to hear his fucking mouth, right? <laughs> but now, thank God, I've evolved to the point to where she can be honest and tell me shit like that. And I'm like, damn, I appreciate the fact that she being honest with me. You know what I'm saying? So why punish a person for telling the truth? But I didn't think like that. It don't mean I'm still not that jealous, crazy motherfucker on the inside. I just have learned how to manage those emotions because I understand that if I want to foster an environment in a space where the people around me are going to be honest, I have to be receptive to that and not defensive all the fucking time. That's that that's that's a very mature stance. But, you know what I'm saying? So a, lo- a lot of motherfuckers it's emotion first. You know what I'm saying? It's emotion how you feel first. I never respond to anything emotionally. Mm. And so that's probably been the biggest detriment to all of my relationships, right? Oh, oh I we, you going to have to you're going to have to explain this, because I look at it as being an asset, because that's something that I always, I've just been trying to get to that point. See, yeah. Yeah, so it's good on paper, mm-hmm. but women, from my experience, I'm not talking about all women, I've not <laughs> dated all women, before y'all try to come for oh, the kid, man, before y'all try to come for me, <laughs> I'm just using this for my experience, but from my experience, women don't like when they can't get an emotional response out of you. You know what I'm saying? So I've been, you know, I had one ex call me an emotional Nazi. Yes. She said, you're an emotional Nazi. I don't think it get worse than that. That's I had one uh, chick tell me, you're too logical. Whoa. My mother said I lack compassion. Damn. Exactly. So because it's never going to be, I'm going to respond with my logic. You know what I'm saying? I'm not the nigga who's, you going to step on my shoe and I'm going to shoot you in the middle of a club. That's an emotional nigga. Mm. That's a nigga that don't know how to process his feelings that did Absolutely. that. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to make a calculated decision and first I'm going to shut the fuck up. So when anybody comes to me with anything, the, I, I'm not trying to rebut you. I'm not trying to respond. I'm going to shut the fuck up. And so I have to deduce, how do I really feel about what's going on? Whoop, whoop, and yeah, my feelings may be valid to me, 
But the other 7.7 billion people on this motherfucking planet don't give a fuck about how I'm feeling right now. So I have to make the best logical decision and the best logical response moving forward. Women don't like that. Let me ask you a question. How long have you been... Because you, like you said, you were raised in the house with your mom, mm-hmm. your sister. How long have you thought like you think right now? So uh, I was a soup. I was a, I was a super emotional kid. You know what I'm saying? That's the same here. You know, grew up with women. You know what I'm saying? I grew up with a house full of fucking estrogen. You know what I'm saying? So it was. So I can remember actively seeking out man shit to do, mm. like. Yeah. Like I gotta go cut some grass, you know what I'm saying? At like ten, like it, like it, like in real shit. It's just to be told that like it's too many bitches around him. You know what I'm saying? Like it's too much, too much weak shit going on. Like I gotta go fight some niggas. Mm. So I was consciously seeking out manhood with no fucking definition of what that was. So it became whatever the fuck my ten year old mind thought it would be. So first it was how tough can you be? Mm. You know what I'm saying? But even right now, I'm not a big nigga. I was even littler at 10. So I'm running up on niggas, scrapping. So I, I, that's what I became because known for. your mind, that's what defined man. Th- that's what a man is. Yeah. A, a, a man is tough. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Fuck, oh, I fall and I cry. No, nigga, I fall or you hurt my feelings. You affect me emotionally. Now I'm going to beat your ass. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So it went from that to, all right, no, that's fucking stupid. I'm getting put out of school every other week. You know what I'm saying? I don't got no motherfucking friends because I keep beating them the fuck up. Let me <laughs> let, let, let me tweak this definition, right? So then it became uh, drugs. So I, I started selling drugs. Yeah, like, yeah. fuck it. Me and provide. Mm-hmm. So how I'm going to provide? I'm 12. How I'm going to be a provider? Yeah, huh, huh? Go out here and get a job. How, how I'm going to get the bag? Yep. 13, I'm selling crack. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm fucking. I'm selling crack at yeah. 13. Meeting niggas at the gas station, meeting crackheads at the liquor store, type shit. You know what I'm saying? Young yeah. as fuck. Yeah. But to me, this is what a man do. So I got to get out here. Then you know, boom, I make it to high school. Now it's oh shit, me and me and got the bitches. I fucked three whole high schools, bro. But well, okay. So now <laughs> I gotta ask this question, right? Because. You get to high school, and at this point, your manhood is defined by how many women... Women I can sleep with. You can sleep with. But was there some sort of transition where you had to find out what you needed to acquire or add to, to your skill set in order to be able to be successful with fucking these women? You know what I'm saying? Like, Or did you already have it? It was just like, I already got it. All I, right. I, I sw- just- see, yeah, like, I'm... I'm, I'm so, I'm... Uh, and I say this all the time. I'm one of those people. I'm one of those guys. I've never had a problem getting women. Women always like me. Like, I was a super cute kid. You know, I ain't a fine, you know, I'm an attractive guy, but I was always popular, smart, funny, and an athlete. And I was selling drugs. Damn, so, yeah. so they was already around. Yeah, they, they was around. But like, women, women just naturally, like, as soon as I open my mouth, they like, oh, this nigga's, you know, I, I got a conversation. I can talk about some shit. I ain't just on no typical shit. So, I've never had a problem getting women. And my, my problem was turning women down. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, fuck it. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm about to run through these holes. This is because to me, this is what manhood is. Yeah, yeah. You know what and I'm saying? That was a high school time. That was, okay. that, that was a high school time. Okay, so keep going. So yeah. I get to college and I'm like, this shit is stupid. Like, because now I'm seeing motherfuckers who, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm from Detroit. I'm from, I'm, I'm from Joy Road, all this shit. So I'm just around in my school. That's all it is. But you get to high school, I mean, you get to college and this motherfucker's from Kansas. 
It's motherfuckers from Atlanta. Yeah. It's motherfuckers from Southfield. Motherfuckers from Oak Park. Like everybody, you know, amalgamated in here, and we all broke college students. You know what I'm saying? Everybody in here fucked up, bro. I'm still selling drugs, so I'm not broke. You know what I'm saying? At Wayne State. At Wayne State, yeah. That, that's why I didn't leave. I was supposed to go to Gaining. They wanted me to go to Gaining University in Pennsylvania and run track. I was like, no, I'm not gonna do it because I'm gonna just be another broke college student out there. But here, I can sell crack. You know how to maneuver. I should have went to fucking Gaining because when I went. You to, look back, you think? Fuck yeah, I went to prison like two years later. Oh damn. Okay, yeah, okay. I went to prison like two years yeah, later. Yeah, okay. So you know what I'm saying? And and that's when I found out that it, it took me going to prison to realize what manhood was. Oh man, you gonna have to expound on that. So. Boom, I'm, you know, still whatever, whatever, still in the streets, running around, fucking hoes, all that little dumb ass shit, right? But, so boom, 2004, I catch my case. I catch my case in uh, August 2004. And the re- I ain't talking about that because I'm going to do a whole episode about that. But, so boom, the shit go down, boom, boom, boom. Uh, December, I go to trial, right? My trial starts in December. I get found guilty. January, I'm in the county, and I get sentenced in, like, end of January. Mm-hmm. February, I'm at my first prison. I'm six hours uh, north. I'm in Newberry, Michigan, Newberry Correctional Facility, NCF, right? Uh, but, so from the county to Jackson, right? So I leave Wayne County, and I go to Jackson. Mm-hmm. When you go to motherfucking Jackson from Wayne County, it's also... I have on Wayne County clothes. I got on state greens. You know what I'm saying? I got you don't your, your, your clothes are gone. They've been gone. So I got on these green jumpsuit that they give you in Wayne County. Well, Wayne County want their shit back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? And now you're not county property, now you're state property. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you what happens when you uh when you get to Jackson, when yeah. you get to when you get to JCS, right? So you get to Jackson and they uh so they they march y'all in. So you got your Wayne County niggas coming in, your Oakland County niggas, your Washington County niggas coming. Everybody coming in to go to start their bid, right? So they line you up in this motherfucking room. You know what I'm saying? 50, 60, 100 niggas in this motherfucking room. Well, they got to strip search you again. Yeah. You know? So everybody stripped the fuck naked. Mm-hmm. Take everything off. And it's, it's, you know, procedural and psychological, right? So this is the, the process that we have to do. But we're also letting you know... Nigga, you ain't in control in, in no way, shape, or form anymore. It's kind of where they break, where the, yeah. yeah, where they break you. It, it, we, we about to break you all the way the fuck down, right? So they strip your ass naked and they leave you naked for the longest time. Shit, just nigga, and it's you know motherfuckers running there. Turn around, man. You know, cough, all that shit. You know what I'm saying? About ten to twelve guards and they're searching everybody. Then they march your naked ass uh, to the quartermaster. The quartermaster, they ask you your sizes and shit. Oh, yeah, I'm extra large than this. I'm a da 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 So they put all this shit in the bag, right? Yeah. They put a bunch of shit in the bag, you know what I'm saying? Like four pair of pants, four uh, state blue shirts, nine pair of socks, nine pair of drawers, give your ass a state coat, a state belt, some state shoes, and some T-shirts. And you got to carry this big-ass duffel bag, but you're still naked. You you don't have your clothes yet. Shit. You're still naked, yeah. right? So then everybody get their state uh, shit. They then they 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 stencil your numbers on all your shit. When they stenciling, because you just got regular got clothes. Regular, yeah, right, right. You know right, what I'm saying? We don't know. It, it's just a bag full of clothes. Now you have to get your prison number stenciled on your shit, and you can't put your clothes on until it's a number on there. Right. That's why you still naked. So boom, they take all right, take out all your pants, and it's a nigga standing there. It's another prisoner. He's standing there. He's stenciling your number. My number was five two one five two one. 
So boom, I'll never fucking forget it. I'm gonna have that number until I'm dead, right? When I die, they'll get that number to somebody else. Yeah. So boom, so they stencil your number on all your shit, right? And then you can put your clothes on. But so you put your outfit on and the nigga stenciling your shit on you while you in it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He like, yeah, nigga, putting this shit on your drawers, put this, put your number on your socks, putting your number on your pants, put your number on the back of your shirt, put your coat on, put the number on your coat, put the number in your hat. And I'm like, that process right there, I'm like, what the fuck? And it, because it's state property. Yeah. You have to give this shit back. We want our shit back. This is not your shit. So to go through, you know, being a, you know, the 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 tough nigga. The drug dealer nigga, the ladies man, and you know, I was pretty good at drugs, so I had some money, you know what I'm saying? I had some shit. I had apartments and cars and jewelry and all of that shit. Now I don't got nothing. I don't got none of that material shit. You know what I'm saying? And so I had to figure out. So now, I, you know, I'm, I get back, I get to my cell and shit, and I'm like, well, who the fuck am I without all of this? Because right now I don't have no drugs to sell. I don't got no cars. I don't got no money. I don't got no jury. I got some fucking state clothes that I got to give back to the state of Michigan when I leave. So I had to figure out who the fuck I was. Mm-hmm. Who? Because, nigga, you got five years. You're staring down the barrel of a nickel. You got to figure out. You on the first day of your, the rest of your five years in this bitch. And and uh, and unlike being out here, there were no distractions in there. So all you had was. All I had was. That, ain't, I ain't got no TV. It ain't no radio. I'm sitting in this fucking six by nine cell. With just me and all the time in the world to think about it. Shit. Yeah. So I had to, I, I, that's when I started my journey on figuring out who the fuck I am. Mm-hmm. Well, nigga, who are you? Are you the tough nigga? Are you the ladies man? Are you the drug dealer? Who are you without all of this shit? Because right now you don't have nothing. So I figured out what, I, I figured out then that I was dealing with some issues from growing up without a father. Mm-hmm. That's that's when it first hit me. You know what I'm saying? All right, nigga, you going through some shit. Ooh. Uh, so and, and that shit affected you. No matter how think how no matter how good you might think your life has been up to this point, you, you haven't made it through this unscathed. Right, we it, were just really good at suppressing it, right? We, we survived our life. Yeah. It it wasn't a good. It, it we just we just didn't die. Yeah. You you made it, my nigga. Right. But you didn't make a lot of good choices. You didn't make a lot of good decisions. Yeah. You just didn't die. Yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of people are just surviving their lives, so they thinking they're doing a good job. That's not the case. Mm. So I figured out who I was. You know what I'm saying? It took me about two years. You know what I'm saying? I was fucking 21 when I went to prison. So I didn't figure out who the fuck I was as a man until I was about 23, 24. You know what I'm saying? And that process, and, and that's what it is. I had, to, I had to be breaking down to nothing. I hope it don't take that for everybody else. Shit. I hope it does not take that for everybody else. But that's what it took for me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because be stripped of everything. Yeah, because I because I was on that path. Yep, yep. I was on that path. You hear me? And if I wouldn't went to jail for what I went to jail for, I definitely would have went to jail for murder. I Ooh. I definitely would have laid a couple niggas down. Because you in my mind I was unstoppable. You couldn't tell me shit. I'm a young nigga with all this money and all these guns. What you who, who can stop me? And I ain't this was my first case. I ain't never been in trouble with the law before I went to prison. Only thing I had before this was tickets, bro. I ain't never had a drug case in my life, never an armed robbery, never a burglary, never stole no shit. The first time I go to prison was for attempted murder. The first time I'm in trouble with the law on some shit. First felony I ever had in my life, and still the only one, attempted murder. God, I thought my story, God dang, <laughs> this is brilliant. Like, I mean, I done learned so much in just this 
ten minutes that you've been running through everything, man. So okay, now I, I know this is your podcast. <laughs> this is crazy. This is your show. I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I don't want to step on your shit. I'm sorry, man. No, no, hold on one second, man, because I think the biggest goal is is to get the most out of this podcast possible. And and what you're talking about right now has helped me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, shit. Okay, so my one question, because you said that. Somebody describes you as uh, an emotional, what, no, some type of Nazi. An an emotional Nazi. An emotional Nazi. And then the other thing you said was that your mother said you lack compassion. Mm Mm-hmm. So where did you lose the compassion? Because I don't know if it happened during the time where you was like going around trying to cut grass or, or where you start fighting your friends and stuff like that. Or even when you got to the point to where you was like, all right, I'm about to start fucking all these bitches. Okay, I'm going to sell drugs. Did you lose it in prison? Sorry. Did you lose it in prison? Uh no, I lost it way before then. It was before then. Yeah, I lost it way before then. Shit. So be- because I I'm always been a, a pragmatic nigga. I'm a matter of fact ass nigga. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because and and this is what a lot of a lot of people don't understand. You're the only one that live in your head, right? Mm. Nobody else lives there. So and I, I use this example. I could think right now that a fucking tiger is about to come attack me. If I'm if I'm just thinking it, then it's nothing. It don't affect you. It don't affect nobody else around. But if I start acting like it, then that's a problem. It becomes a problem for me, and it becomes a problem for everybody else around. If I really start acting like a tiger, just it's gonna appear and attack me, right? So that's that. That's how it is with your feelings. Your feelings only matter to you, but you're acting on some shit that nobody else sees. Your feelings are that fucking tiger. I'm mad. I'm sad. I'm disappointed. I'm this, this, that, and the third. That's that tiger. And you can think it all day long to yourself. But once you start acting like it, now we look at you like you fucking crazy. Damn. Okay, so at what point, because you was an emotional young boy. Yeah. At what point did you start thinking like, what point did that epiphany hit you? What you just said right there. I think it's always been there. Always I just, there. I, I like it's ruined to it. Yeah, like, yeah. like it's always been there. Because my mama didn't just say that because of some shit that happened to me at 27. She like, nigga, this always been you. Damn. This, you, you ain't never gave a fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, I just didn't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I just didn't. It ended a relationship for me. So, so that, that brings up a good question that I have, or at least, uh, where, you know, I guess there's this this idea that we are who we are in this world. Like, we were born a certain way. And then I think a, a lot of it is, you know, uh, being shaped by your environment. Mm-hmm. I, I'm almost inclined to think that this thing about you had nothing to do with your environment. No matter where you would have grew up at or been born, this was just in, intrinsic. It was a my part su- of who My sister's are. the same way. Yeah. And my mom, like, where the fuck did y'all come where from? Where did this come from? Because we're nothing like my mother. Yeah. My mother is... The most compassionate, my mother and my daughter, the one that's upstairs yelling while we're trying to record this podcast. <laughs> so now I can see why the, you said you've had trouble with relationships. They're super compassionate. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They just fucking care. Me and my sister, like, man, fuck that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, it, but it just always been that. You know what I'm saying? Because it's in, in, in my head, and people hate when I use the word, but stupid shit don't matter to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So if it if it's not real, then it's stupid. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And your feelings aren't real. Mm. They aren't real. So, uh, mm. okay. So, what about your daughter? I want to, or, or how many daughters do you have? I have three daughters. Okay. Now, are you still just as pragmatic and logical with respect to your interactions with them? 
Yes. Damn. Yes, I am. You know, but I, I'm I'm a father. I'm going. I'm going. You know. F- but I, but that, but you, but it's hard to do that in a relationship with a with a woman w- with an adult. Yeah, with an adult. You know what I'm saying? The child is still kind of innocent. You, you know, a six year old, a fucking five year old. Oh you know what I'm saying? Of course, I'm not gonna say what the fuck I would say to this 37 year old. I'm gonna tell you, you acting like this six year old, and that's probably gonna piss you off more. You know what I'm saying? Cause, cause I have a bad habit of when, like, when I when a grown bitch is doing some dumb shit, <laughs> when the, when a grown bitch is doing some stupid shit, yeah. I, I I start calling them my daughter's names. Okay, okay, Nadia. Damn. You know what I'm saying? Cause you you acting like my daughter right now, and we grown, my nigga. That that ain't what this is. You know what I'm saying? Okay, Malia. Damn. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it I just hate that. Yeah. 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 Damn. I'm, I'm a bit of an asshole, bro. Yeah. I'm a bit of an asshole. If you haven't picked up on it, I'm Damn. a bit of an asshole. Damn. I can't help it. But sometimes, you know? at the end of the day, if 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 I got friends that fall on the spectrum, and let's say one end of the spectrum is is unapologetic, unfiltered honesty, no matter how harsh it comes out, and on the other end, it's like this passive avoidance, you know, uh, tiptoeing around, you know, trying not to step on landmines. I I fuck. I don't want that because I know this right here is gonna help me grow, and if and if that's what I'm committed to on this personal journey. Of, of life that we all are experiencing, and that's what I'm going to surround myself with. So I choose that. You don't always get the in-between. Some people say, oh, well, you can be honest, but you can do it with compassion, but I don't really know how because, listen, I can perceive something as, I can perceive something incorrectly if I don't want to hear what it is they have to say. So I might take it as, as being uh, as being like harsh or, or being callous or whatever the case may be, but it's really the fact that I don't, I like what you said, mm-hmm. and that's what it is. So people don't know how to decipher the difference between the two. And right now, this age that we're living in, where people are so fragile, oh, they, you can't they, offend nobody. They confuse, they confuse honesty with disrespect. And Absolutely, like, disrespect. They have conflated the two. So, so, so again, so again, most of the time when people are saying, "Hey, well, you can be honest, but you could just do it with compassion." Well, it's not that I'm not being compassionate. It's just that you perceive it that way because you don't like what the fuck it is I'm trying to tell you. Absolutely, I get you. But see, so that, why lie? That's why that's why it's like it, it it wasn't, you know, just clever or catchy. I've been saying this shit at the end of every social media yeah, post. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ever since I got on Facebook. My sister created my Facebook in 2010 when I came home. I've been saying this shit since Twitter. It was started off as a Twitter hashtag in 2011. You know what I'm saying? I was every post, every tweet I make, boom, 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 hashtag while I so it was it was inevitable that I named my podcast this because I've been marketing this shit Damn. my whole social media career. Yeah, cool. yep. You know what I'm saying? And, and everybody know this nigga is gonna Reek gonna tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah. If you don't want to know the truth, don't ask that nigga nothing. Don't ask, yep, yep. Don't ask that nigga shit. Mm-hmm. If you in emotional in this time, don't ask that nigga shit. Cause when you come to him, he gonna give it to you. Yeah. Why fucking lie? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's the best thing I think we all can strive to do is just be honest. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's, it's, um, I would say it helps the person who is the one being honest, actually. It helps them because, well, if I'm, if I'm being honest with you, then I don't have to suppress certain parts of myself to appease you. And then it helps the person that you're, that you're being honest with because, well, shit, if you can be honest with them, then, at a minimum, even if they don't agree with you, they get a different perspective that they didn't see before or otherwise. And now that makes them more well-rounded and more accepting and tolerant of people who don't think like them. So even if I don't fucking agree with you, I still need that truth because now I have an enlightened perspective that I, I didn't have before. Absolutely. I, I hate talking to people who agree with me. 
Shit. I love talking to people are on the opposite side of the That's fence. The only way you learn. If I'm on, if if if, if I'm on this side of the line. I need to talk to somebody on the other side of the line. Yeah. You know what I'm because saying? that's how you're going to learn. That's I, how you're going to learn. I, I need to hear your arguments. I need to know why you believe what you believe. I need to express to you because what if I can't express my views clearly? Well, but see, I see this is, oh, shit, you about to get into it. So with my wife, I was talking about somebody, I was talking to this about somebody the other day. When me and her started dating, and mind you, I was talking earlier about attracting the wrong type of women because I was trying to be something I wasn't. So mm-hmm. when I started trying to, you know, when I was started moving closer to being who I am, I attracted her. And this is somebody I wouldn't even had tried to get with back in the day because she was bad and she still is bad. But she was quiet. She was a nerdy woman. And I wanted the woman that was busting it wild. You know, whatever. <laughs> right, right. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. once I started accepting who I was, I was able to appreciate something like that. And it wasn't the shit that we were the same on that that made me want to be with her. It was the shit that, that was different. Because you don't know how a person compliments you until you understand what those differences are. And then you can appreciate those differences. And, and that's really, really, really important, I think. And anything, especially when you're talking to somebody who don't agree with you. Because at the end of the day, I approach every argument and every conversation with the mentality that I could be wrong. Absolutely. I don't approach it like I already know what the fuck I'm oh right my about. Because, fuck. Because, because if I do that, then I'm going into it basically to, to prove that you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Or I'm asking you these questions to be antagonistic. But I'm actually trying to understand why the fuck you think the way you think. So I have to assume I'm wrong. Right. Because in some cases I can be wrong. And if I'm trying to, you know, uh, if I'm trying to strengthen what it is that I believe in and I want it to be tested, I don't want to just believe yeah, in the shit because I've never been tested. I want to make sure that there's empirical evidence and data and all sorts of shit to back up what it is I'm thinking so that I can stand firm in it. And I don't know that unless I'm unless I'm around people who are bold enough to call me out on my bullshit, if they think it's bullshit. Absolutely. That's a man way of thinking, though. Yeah, you yeah. know, so you're lucky <laughs> to have found a woman that yeah. compliments you in your mind mm-hmm. because most women don't think like that at all. Mm-mm. You know what I'm saying? For, for the most part, most people don't go into any conversation believing that they're wrong, yeah. but especially fucking women. Oh, man. Here's the plot twist. My wife... She's similar to you. She no fuck no emotions. Like she's the most logical person I ever been around in my life. And, I'm, and I didn't understand. I'm like, how the fuck don't you have like you don't? <laughs> she's like you. She's like, no, it just doesn't make sense because she you know thinks before she reacts. I was the complete opposite. Mm. The complete fucking opposite. Thank God she still you know put up with my ass. <laughs> right. And all had patience. Had, had right. patience. Right. But uh, but that was the the case with her, and that and that balance is important because we complement each other in a lot of ways. And, and when I am acting irrationally to certain things, I can trust that she's going to give me the right advice. And then sometimes when she probably lacks compassion, she's going to come and say, "Was I a little too harsh?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, you probably you probably was." Oh my god, yeah. man, listen. Oh my, that's the fucking yin and the yang right there. It's that's it, and that's man. why we still need each other, right? So right, we talked about offline. You know, feminism and how it's sort of contributed to, uh, I guess, uh, women's or I guess the emergence of feminism happened around like 1960s, 70s, although it existed well before that. Right. But what ended up happening is that women started thriving, you know, professionally, academically, they independent, they don't need us anymore. Uh, and here's the thing. I understand that there is some blame on our part. I'm, I'm objective about that because anywhere where you have an oppressed group of people soon to follow is an oppressed movement. Mm-hmm. But that movement led to resentment, led to bitterness, it led to division amongst the man and woman. So, so we can't be 
we can't lie about the impacts or the consequences of feminism, but I understand that it was birthed because maybe at a particular time, we didn't necessarily uh, manage our power in, in, in the right way. Maybe. I don't know. That shit was birthed because uh, white bitches didn't like that how, how white men was treating them. Mm. So That's it wasn't the, necessarily a black thing. It had absolutely nothing to do with us. It had nothing oh. to do with Arab women, Hispanic women, Chinese women, or black women. But, they, but black women, Arab women, Chinese women were sold the lie too. To absolutely. And, but it, and they were sold it in the 60s during the resurgence, right? So because it started in 1848 with Susan B. Anthony and all of them, you know what I'm saying, and all of them bitches, right? So <laughs> that, that's when it started, right? Yeah. But so they was like, listen, we can't fucking vote. It was white men that said my, my daughter can't vote. Yeah. My wife can't vote. My mama and my auntie can't vote. Black men ain't never done that shit. Look at the history of the world. Go back to Mali. Go back to Egypt. Go back to Kemet. Go back to Kush. Anything. We ain't never subjected black women. Ever. We ain't never oppressed them. We've never kept them down. White men have. All in fucking Europe and Caesar and Greece when they was fucking each other and had their women at the crib. The men was putting on wigs and eyelashes and blush because they wanted to sleep with each other. And the women were at home. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Why did black women fall for the narrative? I can tell you. So in the 60s, right? So after... I talk about this extensively in my book that's about to drop soon. <laughs> Shameless plug. But uh, so uh, in the 60s, you remember in the 60s, they was killing everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, John Lennon, King, X, Mega, like everybody. They was, they, they was wiping motherfuckers out. That was the narrative. Hey, we going to kill these motherfuckers, right? Anybody who got something crazy to say, we killing them. So, but they realized that it takes a lot more money to fucking subdue a riot and rebuild these cities than it is to just uh, let these niggas live and vilify them, right? So that's why they stopped killing people. You know what I'm saying? They stopped killing, quote, unquote, leaders, right? They was like, no, we're just going to buy these niggas or we're just going to demonize them. You know what I'm saying? But it was too many unseen ramifications. So like I say, you kill a Martin Luther King, and now you got riots all over the country. Mm. Compton, L.A., Detroit, New York, Philadelphia, Chicago. Yeah. And this shit costs millions and billions of dollars because niggas is burning shit the fuck up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So they was like, no, nah, fuck that. We got to do something else. So they, uh, J. Edgar Hoover, mm -hmm. FBI Directive Number 3, Prevent the Rise of the Black Messiah. How did he go about doing that? So he said, "These Martin Luther King, the Malcolm X's, these motherfuckers, how are they getting money? They're touring the country giving speeches, giving lectures, and people are giving them donations. That's how he's able to travel from Selma to Chicago to do a speech, to come to Detroit, to do the I Have a Dream speech before he did it in Washington. How is he traveling? He needs food. He needs transportation. He needs security. He needs hotels. How is he getting the money to do this? He's giving these speeches, and people are giving him donations. So they start looking at the people who was giving him donations. Who was it? Black families. Mm. So he said, I can prevent these motherfuckers by just destroying a black family. That's when they copied the Black Panther social programs with welfare. Well, that, that started under uh, Lyndon B. Johnson. Absolutely. Right, 1964. Some a shit like absolutely. That. I got you. So, but, but, but they ramped it up. So that, that's when it started. That's when it started, but they but, ramped it up. But now, not only that, we're we going to throw Section 80 in. Mm, so that way the man can't necessarily be in the household. It ain't no necessarily. You can't have one. Mm. 
You can't have one. Not if you want this five dollar rent. Right. Not if you want this rent voucher. Yeah. Yeah. Not if you and that baby want a place to sleep. You gotta you gotta choose. Mm-hmm. But see, you have to understand it was an unintended consequence. So they put it in and they didn't know that black women were gonna lean into it the way that they did. Mm-hmm. But they seen it, they was like, oh shit, oh, I could be 16, shit out a baby, and I get free food and a place to stay. Absolutely. I have generations of cousins in in, in, in my family mm-hmm. that have never left the projects. Damn. Since the 60s. Yeah, because... Generations it's, upon generations. It's not something that necessarily incentivizes you to want to go... And, and, and do anything and else. Just and survive off the system. And it's right? gonna—it's definitely not going to incentivize me to get married. Hell no. Because shit, I'm, nah, this nigga work at the gas station. He can't take care of me the way this good white man in this government is. Hence the deterioration of the black family. And Absolutely. And that's why the percentage of, like, I guess, married black people in the 60s was somewhere around like close to 70 percent exactly shit extremely low now exactly yeah. so then so boom they they, they throw the section eight in there mm-hmm. they throw the, uh, the the bridge cars and all of that the food stamps back in the day yep. they throw that shit in there but then at uh the end of the 70s they start sending black women to college Ooh, that's why they're the most educated group in america yeah that's why they hold the most degrees in anybody in america mm-hmm. they start hey you don't gotta just sit in this apartment with this baby by yourself. We can you can let somebody else raise your kid, a daycare center. We'll pay for that and you can go to school. Mm-hmm. And that's when it happened. Yeah. That right there. We What's all that? of these implementations. So 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 black women go to college, and now they're who who who's the professor? This fucking white liberal feminist bitch, and she's feeding black women this dumb shit. Yeah. And black women are now adopting this fight as if her man has done her wrong when we have no history of it. She's telling you about the history of her and her man, this white college professor lady, yeah. this this feminist studies or this woman studies professor is telling you about the, the history of her battle with her man. Yeah. You ain't never had this battle with your man. So, so, so not only did they, let's say, okay, one of the motives of doing this was to separate the, or you know to destroy the black family, right? But mm-hmm. another motive was to strengthen their agenda, right, and their movement too. Right. right? I, but, I, I need numbers. Well, I need numbers, but to me, it's always a slippery slope whenever we do adopt this whole groupthink collectivism mentality. Not to say that you know collectivism won't work to some degree, but anytime you have it, you end up prioritizing the collective over the individual. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good thing because like me and you should be able to have a conversation as individuals, but the minute we can't separate our identities from it, shit starts to get real murky and now people start to think, oh, you're offending me. No, I'm just criticizing the idea. Mm-hmm. But you can't separate yourself from the idea, therefore we can't even go past this point in the conversation. Absolutely. So I do think that you know we should be able to have these conversations with women, but they oftentimes can't separate the groups that they subscribe to, which is feminism, from from you, same shit with Republican and Democrats. Same thing. Same fucking thing. Anytime your identity is in a group, you, listen, it's 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 you're easy to beat. Yeah, you're easy to beat. I don't give a fuck what the group is. You're gonna be emotional, and like you said, if you're emotional, I can. Yeah, it's you're easy to beat. You know what I'm saying? So if I know that you are a motherfucking Democrat, I know you're a Democrat. I know you're a diehard. No matter of fact, we don't use Republicans. I know you're a diehard Republican. So. I know what you think before the issue is even on the table yep. because I know what the Republicans say about this issue. And you, can't you know what I'm saying? You can't ideas. separate yourself. So like you say, I, I can't even sit down and have a conversation with you. So, it, but, but you can use this with anything. If you're a Christian, if you're a Muslim, if you're a feminist, if you're whatever the fuck your group is, you're easy to beat. Absolutely. No, okay, if so you no. cannot identify 
on a human level human outside first. of your fucking group. Human, human first. So so here's the thing too, right? Now that you, you and you broke that down so eloquently, but now that we're at this point, we can't go back. And you have a lot of men who have antiquated thoughts, right? And mm-hmm. they want women to go back to being barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. But we're not there anymore. <laughs> some of them. Some of them. I'm t- I done talked to some men who like, yo, man, they need to just know their place. And they- but no, we ain't there. And women, listen, I don't care how it ended up happening or how we got here. They've gotten a taste of freedom, financial independence. They don't want to go back to having to depend on a nigga because in, in their minds, it keeps us honest. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. With my wife, listen, she works. She makes just as much money as me. I still pay all the bills because I want that respect. Mm-hmm. Right. And when it comes time to make a decision on, OK, hey, maybe we should move here. Maybe we should do this. Hey, she'll defer to me. Even if she don't agree with me, she's going to say, hey, I don't agree with you, but I'll ride with you on this. Well, mm-hmm. that's because I've taken on the responsibility of paying, you know, all the bills. Right. So uh, the other thing to that is that, uh, you know, especially with respect to to having that interchangeability and her making money, that independence, like in my mind, it's less likely for me to become wicked for me to become evil, for me to become manipulative, for me to become abusive, because in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, shit, she can survive without me financially. Yeah, of course, I I do a lot of things, you know, that aren't on paper that she doesn't prefer to do on her own or that she can't do on her own because she can't lift this heavy, whatever the case may be. But I do think it does keep people honest because I think man is innately evil. We're innately wicked, and it takes work to fucking be civil. Right. So here's the thing. I'm not and I know I sound like a sound box for a feminist movement or I sound like some type of echo for it. But what I'm saying is that now that we're at this point and I don't necessarily agree with what the movement has caused, which is division and bitterness and resentment. But now that we're at this point, how do we still convince each other that we fucking need each other? Because they ain't going to go back to thinking like they think. And I think some people might say the solution is for them to sort of change their thinking. But I think it it requires a little bit from both ends. But I don't know what the answer is. Anyway. Uh, Okay. So uh, uh, let me push back a little and then I'm going to answer your question, right? Mm -hmm. So so if your wife worked at fucking Burger King, you think you would be evil to her? I don't think you're evil to her. You're not evil to her because how much money she makes. I think you're not evil to her because you're not an evil person. That's true. Right. So it don't matter where the fuck she work or how much she bring home. You just not a piece of shit ass nigga. I'm, I'm, so I'm not going to treat you like, like you know what I'm saying, like a piece of shit ass nigga would. I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you finish. Go this. ahead. Make a great point. Here, here's the difference, right? So um, anyway, no, you know, we have rental properties around the city, right? And I started doing this when I quit. My, like I moved back here to Detroit after being in California for like nine years. I worked with this company called BAE in Sterling Heights. I was working like 60 hours a week. And my wife was on maternity leave for 10 months, and she like, yo, you stressed. I know you want to get into real estate. Just quit. Fuck it. We got the money, right? And at this time, we were living downtown. We had bought a condo, so we wasn't even paying a mortgage, right? So I ended up quitting, you know, stayed home with the kids, and I, and I got off into real estate. You know what I'm saying? Ended up getting some rental properties. And now, when I because I went back to work maybe a year later, because this company, some headhunter came after me, and he was like, listen, I promise you, you won't have to work an hour over 40 hours a week. And at that time, having a three-year-old, five-year-old, they were even younger, then I, I needed to be able to be available. Because, you know, my wife's a dentist. She ain't signed up for me to be, you know, working to 8 p.m. every day, this, that, and the right. third, right? So, you know, we had to negotiate that a little bit. Anyway, now that I'm back at work, it's something different about the relationship that I have with the employer versus before when they knew I needed their ass. Mm-hmm. It's something different. Now, it doesn't mean that this employer is going to be wicked, but they talk to me differently because they know I'll lead this bitch. I don't, I don't need it. 
mm-hmm. right? Like, don't get me wrong, it helps to have more income and, and it adds to our quality of living, but I do think that I don't want to ever trust the 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 kindness or the virtue of man because I understand that that's a slippery slope and it can always go in that other direction, right? Mm-hmm. So you're right. I wouldn't do my wife like that, but it doesn't mean that, that men innately won't resort to doing things like that because we know back in the old days, shit was barbaric. It was kill or be killed and we had to work to become this civilized. But see, so I'm I'm going yeah, to push back on that too. Uh, a certain man was barbaric. We, we ain't got no history of that shit. We don't. We don't have no history of brutalizing our women. I don't give a fuck how far back you go in Africa. I don't give a fuck how far back you go in Native American culture. It's one man on the planet that has a history of brutalizing his woman. That's one. So once you adopt this motherfucker's values and you start thinking like this motherfucker, then you, you, you're, you're done. So you man say, or woman, so right? So you say all the stuff that's happening in the, in the hood people killing each other, black people, this, that, and the third, robbing, all the snatching grabs happening in L.A., that's because what the white man has implanted in black people, or is it because we're just as evil as white people, Asian people, or anybody, right? What, what would you say to that? I would say that we've, we've had a hell of a teacher. That, that, that's what I would say. So we're emulating an, a, a barbarian, right? But so right now, the, all the killing and the shit going on right now, right? In, in, in the hood, we ain't got to go to L.A., in Detroit right now. Or fucking Philadelphia. They just broke their murder rate, right? Mm. More uh 523 murders, the most they've ever had in the history, Shit. right? Yeah, yeah. Who did they get that? They ain't get that from their parents. Cause y'all got the record. So where did y'all get this shit from? You I know would, what I'm saying? I would argue the parents though. How? Their parents was going to fucking work. Their parents wasn't sliding on the ops. Yeah, no, that that's true. But hold on. So, so let, let, let me ask you a question, right? So I, I said we had a great teacher because where did we learn barbarism from? From the fucking barbarians. That's where we learned it from. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not that nigga that's going to lay all the blame on the white man or blah, 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 blah. Because but, there was a lot of that happening. That yeah, but, but, but this motherfucker created a condition. You know what I'm saying? He did. He created a condition and a circumstance to where I no longer have to brutalize you. Now you brutalize yourselves. And now we're just perpe- perpetuating that brutality on, upon each other. Right now, he don't got to do it no more. There's no need for the clan. Now we kill each other, right? But we learned it from a teacher. Gotcha. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, these companies right now, you're you're in the to the great resignation. Everybody feeling like you feel. Fuck this job. I've been feeling like fuck this job since the day after I got my job, and I ain't had no motherfucking rental properties and nothing. I ain't had nothing else going on. But fuck this bitch, nigga. I walk up out this motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? So they never talk to me crazy because we know companies don't give a fuck about humans. But what I'm saying is there are more not piece of shit men than there are piece of shit men. But I don't think that's the narrative. There are more good men than there are bad men, but we only want to talk about the bad ones. So I don't believe that men innately or inherently will just dog a woman out because she's not the provider or she can't provide because again all you have to do is follow the other examples right so you go to fucking right down the street to Dearborn I get my tires changed whenever I got a flat I go right there up on Warren and Rosemont to the tire shop right so there's an Arab guy up there dirty as fuck <laughs> face dirty hands dirty everything dirty as fuck this nigga makes about $14 an hour got on a Carhartt jumpsuit a motherfucking hat and he out there changing motherfucking tires yeah for 14 that this nigga's not rich. He don't own the shop. Yeah, yeah. He the, he the, might be the nephew or the cousin or whatever, but this nigga makes $14 an hour. Mm-hmm. When that man, dirty as fuck, walks into that Arab home, that nigga's a king. Yeah. Flat the fuck out. Yeah. 
She ain't looking at this nigga like, oh, nigga, you dirty as hell. You bum ass nigga. This is and the third. This and the third. And she don't make no $14 an hour. She might be on assistance. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But he's not brutalizing her. No, yeah. So I don't I don't think that, like, like I just said that men have to work hard to become civil. It's not like we come out the womb just with this shit already. I don't I, think we come out the womb with virtue. I think we have to work to be civil and to be good and to not actually act on our uh, negative impulses or whatever. I think we have to learn to be bad. I think... You think so? Yeah, I think we got to learn to be... So, 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 one, you know, good and bad is subjective, and it depends on what society you're brought up in. I'm a sociology major, right? So I'm a sociologist. So I believe where you're born in the world, the family you're born into, the culture you're born into has a greater impact on you than anything else in the world. You've never made a choice in your life. Primary socialization. You know what I'm saying? It's just where the fuck you were socialized at, right? You know, we're in a uh, whatever nation, but if we were like you, if we were born in India, we'd be fucking Hindus. Yeah. Flat the fuck out. That's Niggas true. would not be over there talking about, oh, I'm a Christian, like, I'm a Baptist. No, nigga, you would be what the fuck they are because that's how you would have been socialized, right? So we're not, we're not socialized to be evil, your mom didn't, your sister didn't socialize you to be a fucked up person. Mm-hmm. You got to go out, out the house and learn that. Yeah. That ain't what we're, that ain't, nobody teaches their baby. Are you socializing your daughters to be fucked up? No, no, but, I, but I've actually made some pretty good decisions to, to somewhat shield them from, from that. Me and you grew up in areas where we wasn't. As soon as we stepped outside, that's, that's what it, it was. It, it was there. But it, so, so when I stepped outside in the fucking 80s, it was niggas telling me, nigga, go to school. You know what I'm saying? You ain't about to be the fuck out here well, doing this stupid. They was telling you that, but they was still doing their thing. They, they just protected you. They was doing their thing, but they, they, you, you know what I'm saying? That, that they, they, they tried to. You yeah, know what I'm saying? But I'm, yeah, yeah. but I still got eyes, and I'm gonna do what the fuck I want to do <laughs> when I can. You know what right, I'm saying? Right, right, but right. so you, I believe you have to learn evil. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't believe any human is inherently bad. You know what I'm saying? If you would have saw Adolf at fucking five. You wouldn't have been like, that's an evil-ass five-year-old. No, this motherfucker grew up and learned to be a tyrant. Yeah. You know, if you just saw Mussolini at six months, you'd have been like, oh, that's an evil-ass baby. No, this motherfucker learned to be a tyrant. Yeah. He learned to be destructive. You, I, I, I personally believe that you have to learn that part. You are an inherently good being. That, no, no, so that's fair. That's fair, right? So I, got, I, got, I think I have one question, though. So with respect to you saying that, hey, we were taught this by a particular you know, mm-hmm. person or race, right? Even if I do agree with that, I don't think it helps. And, mm-hmm. and well, and so I think that I don't think these these two things are mutually exclusive. I think something can be true, but then it could also be something that could hold us down because we escape accountability. If I can just blame something on the system or blame something on this person, see, not everybody is as intelligent enough as you to understand the source of the problem, but still understand that you're responsible. Uh, responsible, yeah, you absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So when we preach this stuff to people or tell people these sorts of things, they're not mature enough to process it in that way. So what ends up happening is that, well, they make it an excuse. And, okay, I didn't do this because I did it. I did it because the, the white man taught me how to do it. I get it. And I think that's what that leads to. Okay, so that's the Booker T bootstraps argument, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that, that, that's Booker T. Washington. You have to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, right? So, but see, and and I had to explain this uh, fact to Tamika, right? So time is not three separate things, past, present, and future. Yeah. Right? That, that That's not what it is. Time is one continuous thing. Mm-hmm. So right now, if you walk into a doctor office, right, and you'd be like, I have a stomach ache, they're not going to take you immediately into a surgery. Mm. They're not. They need some patient history. Yeah. I have to go back to diagnose the problem of today. 
Right now, your stomach is hurting. When did your symptoms start? How severe is the pain? What did you eat this morning? Do you have a history of ulcers in your family? Do you have a history of blah, blah, blah? I need some history to understand the problems of today. And that's what it is with any issue. We motherfuckers didn't just wake up killing. Ain't nobody woke up. I, I know killers, bro. I've been to prison. Uh, yeah. I, I've been to prison five years, six months, two weeks, and three days in that bitch. Mm-hmm. I know killers. Yeah, yeah. Ain't nobody ever just got up out their bed like, yeah, I'm about to start killing niggas. It don't happen like that. Mm-hmm. So you, it, it comes from somewhere. Now, does that excuse the behaviors of the day? Absolutely not, because your ass is guilty, and now you're about to go down, and you're about to be punished for the crimes that yeah, you committed. You made that decision. Yeah. We ain't going to punish the ancestors. We ain't punishing them. No, we were punishing you for what you do. So it, it never absolves you, but... It's a way for intellectuals to explain it, right? So if we can find the source of the problem, then I can diagnose you and I can give you treatment for the future. But it's so tempting to adopt that victimhood narrative in the process of doing it. You, you get what I'm saying? So if I'm somebody today who blames or who can go back and say, well, my ancestors went through this, so therefore you know, I suffer from trauma because somebody went through something that I never met, that I know any, nothing about, I don't even live in the same world that they lived in, it's just, you know, it's, it's group. It goes back to group thinking collectivism because now I don't see myself as an individual and I define myself by race because, oh, well, I'm black, so that means that I'm connected to this person from 60 years ago who was living who was black. And at the end of the day, I just think it's a slippery slope and it's very easy to go from being a victim to becoming a victimizer. And that's why you see cancel culture just running rampant today because these movements didn't know where to stop. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, now we're living in a time where opportunity is plentiful. So if you ain't getting money, who fault is it? It can't be the system at that point. It's the, the, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far because, because we know, you know, motherfuckers didn't pull institutional racism out of their ass. Redlining was real. That was real. Redlining, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Redlining was real, and it had real ramifications that affect us today because we know wealth begets wealth. Mm. Exponential growth. You invest $100 into the stock market, and blah, 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 year. if you were to put $100 in Google before it was Google and, and versus what you would have now, exponential growth, right? But if I'm, if I'm blocked from investing that $100 and you are not, you have a competitive advantage, as Dr. Claude Anderson would say. What's your competitive advantage as a people, right? So if you give some people a competitive advantage and not to others, that's the definition of what racism is. Not, oh, you don't like me because I'm black. I don't give a fuck about you not liking me, bitch. I care that you can buy a home with the GI Bill and I fought in the same war, but I can't. Mm-hmm. That's what I care about. I care about your, co- your kids get a free college education, but I got to pay 80000 90, for mine. That's what I give a fuck about. So those things are real, and they have real ramifications on societies all over the world, right? We, we, we could either look at it and say, okay, this is real, and, and, and I should still be bitter, not you, but I should still be bitter and resentful for it today. Or we can look at it and say, hell, it's just a part of, of our history. So, you know, slavery happened. If it wasn't for slavery, we wouldn't have got to the Industrial Revolution. If it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have got to capitalism. And there's, there hasn't been a better system proven on earth aside from capitalism, even with the, with the downsides of it. Like, I'll, I'll talk to any black person today who can talk about how bad it is to be in the U.S. And I'm like, well, where else would you rather go? You want to go over to Cuba? You want to go Venezuela? You see what happened with respect to socialism and communism being implemented over there. So at the end of the day, the shit ain't perfect. 
But I think so many people are caught up on trying to make this world a utopian place as opposed to appreciating it for what the fuck it is. And it's like, without capitalism, I can't even sit across from this eloquent, intelligent, well-articulated brother talking on these microphones with this Mac and this beat machine right here. I don't know how much that costs. So it's a lot of benefits to, to, to where we are today. And I think we had to go through all of this bullshit. I hate that it happened to get here. So some people look at it and say, oh, well, you know, it's a part of history. It's unfortunate that it happened. Let's move the fuck on. And some people just want to hold on to it. And I don't mind holding on to it and being reminded of history, but I just, I just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I think that it's just, it, it, it's sort of, uh, it doesn't help us to cling on to the victimhood narrative. I think it's good to know history, but you have to be able to separate yourself from what happened to people who have nothing to do with you, even but if see, you share the same race. But see, this is what I said, though, about, about the time. Mm-hmm. Past, present, and future. It's not three different things. So it's not history. This so is, you, you think this, this is, is still, still today. Show me the last 10 white kids that were unarmed white kids that were killed by the police. Go down the street to Dearborn. And tell me that the last 10 Arab kids that were killed by un- unarmed, that were killed by police. I, so our kids are dying. I got a list of them. Our, uh, the, sh- please. I got, I got please, one, one guy, he passed away. This is 2016. He died in the same fashion as George Floyd, Tony Temper in Dallas. If they look it up, but the thing is, is that it's. I said kids. Well, yeah, right. But I'm just saying this is this was an innocent white man who was killed at the Kids, end the though. They killed Tamir Rice in 12 seconds. Yeah, yeah. Got out the car. 12 seconds later, the boy is dead. Show me, the, go to John R. and 14 Mile, and how many Asian kids are they killing in the streets like dogs? Asian kids don't have the same behavior. I don't give a fuck what they have. A, a kid playing in the park? What, what behavior did he exhibit? No, I'm, I'm just saying that the reason why we can't ignore the fact that the percentages don't necessarily lean in our favor. So if you think about black <laughs> That's a very eloquent way. Lean in our favor. Well, no, well, well, if you if you th- if you think about <laughs> if you think about black people making up 14% of the population in the US, you also had to consider the fact that we responsible for over 52% of the homicides. So what? so there's a higher there's a higher no, 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 to come into contact with the cops. You know, there, that, it's it's a higher likelihood of that because that, we commit more to homicides. That's facts. That, no, That's no, facts. no, it's not though. We, we don't commit most of the homicides. We commit half, 52% of the homicides in this country. We are arrested more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. We are arrested and accosted by the police more than any other group of people. So, But you're telling me that white people ain't killing white people? Well, no, I do. Because, I, because, because you know. It's just, we, not, it's just not happening. We, we, just had, we just had a, a nigga in Oxford right up the street, went into school and went crazy. I ain't never seen a black kid do that in this country. Yeah, but those are anecdotal. But but no, no, but, 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 but the bulk of the data suggests that we kill each other way more often, proportionately. Speaking. Okay, but what the fuck do that got to do with the police killing them up? Because the, the police ain't killing the killers. The police are killing kids that playing at the park. Absolutely. The police are killing Sandra Bland's for tail lights. The police ain't not, you ain't killing the kill. Go kill the killers. No, and I'm, I'm not, not on the I'm, side. Hold on, I'm not on the side of letting niggas. If you fucked up in my community, die. If you uh, uh, killing motherfuckers, robbing motherfuckers who getting up, going to work every day, kill that nigga too. Malcolm X say, I'm on the side of truth no matter who tells it. I'm on the side of justice no matter who it's for or against. I'm not on your side just because you a nigga, yeah. just because you black. If you harming my community, bitch, you need to die too. No, I, but that, but what I'm saying is, I, I, as a taxpaying citizen, I'm a fucking homeowner. I get up, I go to motherfucking work. I got businesses. My businesses pay taxes in this motherfucking country. The motherfuckers I pay to protect me should not be killing my kids. No, no, I, I agree. I don't give a fuck I, 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 what I, the numbers say. I agree with you, but not all of the situations where a cop has killed a young black man or a kid, the, the person wasn't completely innocent. I ain't saying they are, but yeah, like the Jacob s- send me to trial, my nigga. That's what, that's what courts is for. Yeah. 
You ain't here supposed to be the fucking executioner. Arrest me and send me to trial. That's your job. Yeah, your job ain't to kill me. It makes it hard when the person is resisting arrest. I don't give a fuck so, about so, that so, resisting no, arrest no. argument, bro. I don't give a fuck. So, You're... Tariq, I agree with you. I, I, think we can, I think we can allocate more funds and resources to training the cops to do I know job. police officers, bro. No, 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 if you scared, yeah. quit, bitch. No, go I, put out some fires. No, I agree if you scared, you. go put out some fires because I know women cops. I got, I got a, I know women cops who get out of the streets and, and fight niggas. No, Tariq, I actually ain't never shot their gun and. and 15 years on the force. This motherfucker graduated with me in 2001. Been a cop for years. Ain't never shot that gun, bro. So you can't you. be. I, I oh, now nah, nah that I'm, uh, nah, I'm scared for my life. No, nah, it's bitches out here fighting grown ass men, oh, no, bro. Here, here's the thing. I agree with you, but I think we don't talk about the other side of the coin enough. That's all I get it, but fuck the other side of the coin when my baby died. When my baby dead in the streets, I don't give a fuck about the other side of the coin. I got you. Flat out. Somebody hurt your, somebody hurt your kids. You give a fuck about anybody else's explanation? Yeah, I do. My, I, I don't. Because, you, you, but, but, if but, you harm my kids, I'll burn the earth down. No, you should, but I'm talking about if we're speaking about this thing objectively. But now. see, but I said this to say that it's not history, so we can't just talk about racism as if it's this thing in the past that happened to it. But that's perception because, that you know, look at, look, look at the wage gap. You know what I'm saying? Look, look, at, look, look at the wage gap. They said the, uh, the average income for a black family in Massachusetts was $8 versus, what, 148000 for a white, white family? Mm -hmm. So that's not, you, you know what I'm saying? Th nigga, that affects me now. So, 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 so that, that's, that's, that's today. I, I, I agree with you. I agree with that's you. That's today as hell. So, so I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm an engineer, right? So we're taught to, to uh, look at things in a way where it's like a multivariate analysis, right? Mm -hmm. So if something happens on a particular tank that we design, right? Because we, you know, at the place I work at, we do army vehicles. If something fails, we're not taught to just assume that this is the only reason why. We have to do an analysis, and then we end up coming up with like 20 or, or so factors or things that could have led to the failing of this and then I get we do it. our investigation. So I'm saying I agree with you, but I think as black people, we oftentimes are so close to our race that we don't want to consider all of the other parts of the equation. And I think in order for us to have a real productive conversation, we need to consider those things and not just say, oh, it's just a white man. No, it's some shit that we might be doing to put ourselves in. I get it. But but see, and, and, and so you're an engineer. I'm a sociologist, right? So my degree is in sociology, yeah. right? So I study... <laughs> I study groups of people. I study culture. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I study behaviors of people. You know what I'm saying? What does this group do? What does this group do? You know, and every group has their pros and their cons, right? Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is this group, you have one particular group, and I'm going to talk about it on uh, the Sun People versus the Ice People podcast. That sounds like a hot title. Man, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, I, I'm going to go there, you know. But so, so you have a particular group that has more mm -hmm. of the fucked up shit that my group has mm -hmm. but it's not affect they're not affected to the magnitude that mine is right mm -hmm. so we all know when you the mother i always say stop expecting white people to treat black people like white people right they're not good they're never going to treat you the way they treat themselves right mm -hmm. so they're going to treat your ass like the fuck you are and and that's fine that's cool but i'm not oh the white man the white man the white man the white man the white man. fuck that nigga Get away from him. That's my argument. Fuck his system. I don't want a Grammy. I don't want an Oscar. I don't want the, the I don't want nobody's accolades outside of my community. Yeah. My community is enough. Yeah. I'm not looking for their It's like the Marcus uh, Garvey approach. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Exactly. I fucked them. But I think because but because I'm not gonna sit up here and complain that this motherfucker is the problem and still buddy buddy with this nigga. Yeah. No, I just believe so so when I'm saying it, it's not just oh I'm trying to pacify us and give us an excuse. I'm saying look at what this motherfucker doing to you, why you still fucking with him anyway. No, no, and That's I, my and argument. I, and I agree with you, right? But I think you're different because you're doing that and, and you're sort of on this quest for independence. Let me detach myself from the system and build my own shit over here. Absolutely. Paul Anderson. You know, mm-hmm. uh, power, powernomics, all of right. that. I follow that. But at the same time, you're not walking away with this sense of resentment and bitterness that women walked away from the feminist movement with. And at the end of the day, when you walk away with that, it doesn't help us unify and come together on things that we need to. So, And that's the thing about women. It's like, okay, well, we're in this situation now. They have much more. They're much more independent. They're much more uh, academically inclined, but we still need each other. Right, so but I'm see, more focused on the solution so, rather than saying, so, okay, yeah, so, yeah. So, so yours was, uh, we can't put the fucking genie back in the bottle, right? So, so they can't go back. Yeah. And, and my thing is, they need to go back. Women? Yes. Damn. So <laughs> you, you, you need to go back because you have to understand that no matter how much you make a year, no matter how many degrees you have, no matter how many businesses you start, that's not how you see value. Women don't find value in that shit. That's a good point. Kevin you know Sam, what I'm saying? Kevin Sam. You don't find value in that shit. If you did, you wouldn't be complaining about being single after you have it. Because they were sold this lie that oh, education, Ed- is, education is the key, and blah 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 blah. But for a woman, yeah, yeah. it's family. Yeah, but you, they, don't, they don't realize it until it's too late. until it's too late. Yeah. So I have I have a theory that we're gonna see a, a rise of the over forty marriages. Right, <laughs> motherfuckers is gonna get, get so in their twenties. Bitches gonna turn up, hot girl summer, you know, you know, get 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 the bag, all yeah, of that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. In their 30s, they're gonna be more established and accomplished, so they're gonna have unrealistic expectations. But at 40, it's gonna, I don't wanna die alone. Because mm. 50 is the next landmark. Mm-hmm. I don't wanna die by myself. I'm tired of taking out my own fucking garbage. Yeah, the, the I'm tired of shoveling my own snow. Even, so, the, even if I can do it, that don't mean I want it. That don't mean I want right? to do and it. And I don't want to grow up in a so, nursing home and not have anybody to come Absolutely. And, 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 and then you got a lot of women who ain't even got no motherfucking kids. You know what I'm saying? They successful as hell and ain't got no kids. So nobody going to take That's care of you. Stuff, like once we get older and we have less meaning and purpose, maybe we retire from our jobs and shit like that, our grandchildren, those are the things that actually sustain us. That's But see, but, but, but see, that's what I'm saying. It's not the long game. It's short-sighted. It's it ain't your fucking degree. It's about your emotions. Right? It ain't your degree. It's not your business, bitch. It's not your lash company. Oh. It's not your boutique. None of that you shit is going to sustain you. You ain't going to give a fuck about that yeah, yeah, yeah. when you're 50 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be about God. Damn, I don't want to die alone. The rest of my motherfucking peers are with their grandchildren on Christmas, and you know, and I'm in here with the cat. Yeah. So, so that realization haven't hit us. So you got to understand, Asian women have degrees. Asian women got degrees. They smart as fuck. Yeah. They not no dumb bitches. Yeah. They still understand that the man is what I need. I don't. I don't need this degree. I need this man. Caucasian women. Them bitches got money. They understand that my family is more important than the bag. Me having a family, that's more important than the bag. That so, Arab, they, so you telling me they sold us some shit that they ain't, that they ain't even doing in their own life? Absolutely. I got you. Absolutely. Like I say, that Arab woman that go to, uh, that when that dirty ass nigga Arab dude come in that make fourteen dollars an hour from changing yeah, my yeah, tires, yeah, yeah. that she worship the ground that nigga walk on. You understand? Because this nigga is providing for me and my baby. This nigga gonna lay his life on the line in the street if anybody coming this motherfucker trying to fuck with us. And that mean more to her than any other fucking degree she can obtain. So you any amount of money. I don't think black men played any part in that. 
Because you got to... Well, here, Played here, any part in what? Well, in, in, I guess, the separation of the black man. And Absolutely. Black. Absolutely. So, so, so again. Absolutely. So, so, right, because you know we talking about the whole crack epidemic and yeah, you know, fuck different. yeah. So we made some some bad decisions. Obviously, the government and the CIA had a big role a, in that. Too. A huge a role. Huge role in it. But what I'm trying to say is that when we're talking about the solution, it can't just be us, or at least in my opinion, it can't just be us saying that they have to go back. I think it requires. But, some but, but no, 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 no. Because, because 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 listen, listen. So it, it it can be because you have to understand who's the one complaining. You don't see black men 40 complaining about being single. It don't happen. Yeah. So women control access to sex. Men control access to relationship. Yeah, yeah. You not going to propose to me. <laughs> You're waiting for someone to yeah. propose to well, you. I have the leverage right I now. I got the leverage. And, 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 and that's what it is. If you got the le- leverage in your record deal, you can own your masters. If you have the leverage when you take this job, you can get the motherfucking bonus in the corner office. Mm. So it's a leverage game. Yeah. Let's stop acting like it's not when that's what it is. We cannot pretend and play and pacify and say what's nice and what's cute. No, let's say what's true. Men have the leverage because we are not only what you want, we're what you need. I think, man, that's, man, Tariq, you made a brilliant point. And I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Even if we don't agree on all the race stuff, that right there, I agree with. But I think it's okay to tell women, hey, you know, you a bit delusional. But at the same time, accepting that the reality of, of today is different than that of yesterday. But it, but in your mind, it's all the same. I, I get you, right? It's like time doesn't change necessarily. But what I'm saying is that it, it's not to say that we have to lie to women. Let's be honest with them and let them know that, hey, you're being a bit delusional, but we still got to work with them. Absolutely. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. That's all I'm saying. So, but, but, so, so you said. And it, we still, still got to do what we need to do to be worthy of leadership. Absolutely. We can't expect absolutely. nobody to follow so, us. So, so you said, you said it, it wasn't on all them, and I agree with you, right? Mm-hmm. Black men didn't fight, didn't fight hard enough. Ooh. We didn't fight hard enough to keep our families together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So when, when they was like, oh, no, no, you know what I'm saying, blah, 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 I ain't doing that. We was like, all right, fuck it. It is what it is. And we went on the corner. Yeah. Niggas was, I got so many uncles that was wine those. I got uncles that was smoking crack, all type so, of shit. So like a failure in leadership. Like, like, like niggas, yep. you know what I'm saying? Yep. And, 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 and that is what caused the young niggas to be out here sliding how they slide. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because you ain't got no father to tell you, hey, nigga, you, you about to crash out. You on some dumb shit. I gave up on my woman and I gave up on my family, right? That's why I said earlier that it starts with the parents to a degree. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, right? So, boom. So, black men didn't fight hard enough. But today, the issue today is we're going to have to have patience, right? Mm-hmm. Because I don't give a fuck <laughs> what the problem is, what the solution is. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody better than a black woman. Mm-hmm. I don't want no other bitch on earth. I got three black daughters, bro. I'm not bringing... No other type of woman in here yeah. and, and loving on, and showing them that I'm loving on this other woman. Mm-hmm. Fuck no. I don't give a fuck how delusional they are. I, bring your black ass here, goofy. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and I'm going to be as patient as I can as I try to, you know, get you to realize that your feelings don't matter as much as the reality of the world. Yeah. So so that's just basically what I'm trying to get uh, women to understand how you feel. Oh, I feel accomplished with this or I feel accomplished with that or I feel I deserve this. Sweetie, it's a difference between settling and really this is all you can afford. See, and what you just talked about right there, right, is like you said, patience. Right. And it's like you explaining the history of it, explaining where we went wrong and how we failed as leaders and how we felt susceptible to certain things. And that kind of didn't help the situation because we were away from the household for longer and so on and so forth. If we keep all that in mind going into this situation where we're trying to, you know, build with the woman, it informs our ability to be compassionate 
to them while still holding them accountable. Right. But right. if you do it without any compassion, it just divides us further apart. Absolutely. So I agree with you. I agree with you. That, that, and, and, and that's 100 percent facts. You know what I'm saying? We, we're, we're going to have to have patient patience. You know what I'm saying? That's like the doctor analogy. You know what I'm saying? When you come into the motherfucking ER and you in pain and you can't tell me what the fuck is going on, I got to have patience. If I'm the nurse, yeah, yeah. I got to have patience because I'm trying to give you the treatment that you need. So I can't get mad at you because you fucked up. No, how am I going to get mad at you because you fucked up? My job is to get you unfucked up So how do we as a man. As a man. I'm talking about them being fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so listen. We're on them right now. Right. Right? So, but but yeah, yeah. see, so, so the thing is, baby girl, you can't go after nobody that's fucked up. And I got a podcast that's going to come out uh, when I was talking uh, to my homegirl, Sylvia. Shout out to her. So uh, I, I was telling them, like, listen. Women have to stop going after niggas they like. Ooh. That's your problem. Ooh. What you like is the problem. You know, but yeah. but but how fucking how much accountability, how much responsibility are you willing to take for your your current condition, right? Mm -hmm. So you with this nigga, this nigga wasn't shit. Bitch, you liked him. Mm -hmm. You know, before y'all broke up, you was you know vacation and posting stuff. He wasn't doing all that shit. That's on your page. That's on you. You you loved and and you chose this nigga. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So fuck going after what you like because what you like is the problem. You have to find what you need. Mm, and find different thing. And finding out what you need from a man is a very hard thing to do when you're a woman who has gone after the things you like for Ooh, so long. Ooh, that's a bar right there. You're 35 years old and all you you don't know what you need at yeah. 35. Yeah, yeah. You don't know, but but you know you got a type. Yeah. You know you like these type of niggas who, you know, I'm I'm a uh, I'm, I'm a nurse, so I fuck with the niggas in the hospital. Well, guess what? All the other bitches fuck with the niggas in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to go fuck with a nigga in, in, the, in the law firm. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to go fuck with a nigga that's doing something else. Maybe these ain't your type of niggas. Or I'm a bottle girl, so I fuck with the club promoters. Well, guess what? It's a hundred bottle girls in here. Mm. So what are you? what's going on with the niggas that you're choosing? I, I got one more question for you, man. So, okay, so, and I agree with you. I think if the women are the ones complaining about there not being enough good men out here, then you the problem. The few times that I've heard men complain, right, and it ain't nowhere nearly as often as women, is, is pretty much dudes who wasn't as charismatic or compelling enough as maybe somebody like you. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, nigga, you the problem. <laughs> so whoever complaining, you the problem. Facts. Right? You got to look at yourself first. Well, and that's how I look at that's how I look at everything. It's not to say that there isn't a source behind it, but it's more so like, okay, how do I get past this shit today? Because I only got one life and I want to live it to the best of my ability. The question I got for you is this. After hearing all of this, I done heard your whole story. I'm blown away by all the adversity that you overcame to get to where you at i'm looking at your studio where this shit looks all the buttons and colors and professional <laughs> shit and you did this yourself well do you ever see yourself getting married that's the question and i and i and you know i already done researched you so i know yeah. the thought process a little bit but i don't want to assume but i was married shit yeah I, I was married for i was married for four and a half years again would you do it again yes in, yeah in the right circumstances yes but Cause that's what all the ladies want to know out here. Cause you know Tariq is eligible bachelor, <laughs> and I know they want to know how to crack the code. So that's but what yeah, I'm yeah, I, I would absolutely get married. But my my marriage is not gonna look like traditional marriage, right? It's, it's not gonna be that because I don't ever want to live with a woman again. More like a polyamorous situation. N not even polyamorous, but we, we just not gonna live together. Ooh, okay. I know somebody who actually. Does. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 you yeah, have yeah, to yeah. you have to keep your own house. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You have to keep your own house. I'm gonna keep break away from it. So we I, have that space. I, I, I'm gonna keep my own house. Of course you can have a kid. You don't got to call when you come over. Pop up over there. I don't give a fuck. We married. But 
I don't want to be in a situation where there's tension in the home and I have to be there because I don't got nowhere else to go. I've I've been there. You know what I'm saying? That ain't a good place to be, man. That's not. You know what I'm saying? That's not not good for you. That's not good for her. That's not good for the children. Fuck that. You know what I'm saying? I got enough shit going on. I want to be able to come home and it be peaceful. And if you're not peaceful today, I know you might be peaceful in two or three days. So let me go to the crib. I'm about to go to the crib. I'm about to chill. I'm about to get away. I'm about to let you miss me a little bit. I'm about to miss you a little bit. And let's come back when we can talk about logical about whatever issue this is. Because if we screaming at each other, then got to go lay in the same bed. Well, this shit is just stupid. Yeah. This, this is just food, <laughs> fucking stupid. Or I got to go sleep on the motherfucking couch and I got to get up at 4.45 in the morning to go to work. I'm about to go home to my house this shit my comfortable is, bed. This shit is yeah, stupid. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So th- that would be my biggest stipulation on getting married. But absolutely. But see, my goal, mm-hmm. and, and this is another issue with, with women. That marriage is the goal. Mm. That's a that's a that's a fucked up way to think, right? So if marriage is the goal, quote unquote, then what you're doing is the institution matter more than the person. So you're trying to find a person to fit into this mold. Who can I marry? Versus my ideology, I want to find a person worth marrying. Mm. I don't get if I die alone, I don't give a fuck. If I die unmarried, I don't give a fuck. You're not gonna just settle. Like, I'm like, seeking yeah. someone worth marrying. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking for. You know what I'm saying? Versus marriage is the goal. I see what you're saying. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's not. It's not like you ain't thinking like I'm gonna do this at all costs. If I can't find a woman that's worthy of it, then then I won't do it. You know what I'm saying? So so the approach is different. You know what I'm saying? And when the approach is different, the terms are different. You know what I'm saying? Everything about it is different. Even the way I'm thinking about this shit is totally different. Versus, uh, because you know, at one, I don't have a biological clock. So I, I can't empathize with with a woman, you know what I'm saying, who's you know maybe so same sense of urgency, right? You know what I'm saying. So a, a, a woman may be approaching menopause, and you know, like, oh shit, I, I gotta have, some, uh, I want to have another kid, blah 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 blah. I don't have that. So this is totally, you know, you already, me and you already 20, got you know, your kids, so you got your, your right. purpose that'll sustain you. I got I, 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 my legacy, my hereafter is already here. I got five of them niggas, you know, they cool as shit. I love them <laughs> niggas. You know what I'm saying? I got yeah. five of them. I saw y'all went like ice skating the other day, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I am got to get some ice skating lessons and go buy her some too. My That's what's up, man. Yeah, That's man. beautiful, man. I, I'm actually appreciative that you brought me on here, man. I learned. More than you can imagine. You remember we said earlier, like, you don't learn unless you talk to people who don't think like you. Absolutely. And you really helped me to understand a lot of stuff that, that maybe I didn't understand as clearly before. Yo, this shit was <laughs> dope. Like, bro, I'm, 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 like, I'm totally yeah. in. Like, this shit, this was the dope-ass conversation. And it's crazy. This is our first meet, man. We definitely going to have to get together. We got to. We, we going to have to get together again. We going to have to do this shit on the podcast yeah. again. But shit, just hang out, go grab a drink, go do whatever. I'm you down. know what I'm saying? I'm and yeah. so, listen... So you're a filmmaker. That's how we started. You're a <laughs> filmmaker. So we gonna uh so shout out your social show. Are you accepting other actors? Cause I know plenty of actors and actresses. You know what, man? The way I move now is, you know, because I got the family. So it's it's kind of like I do a project every couple of years when I get inspired to do it. And then once that bug hit me or I get that inspiration. I move in with it. But once I, I find out, I'm going to definitely get promotion through you, and I'm going to pay because it ain't going to be free. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, and I'll let everybody know. But they can follow me on Timbridge, at Timbridge Films on Instagram. And I just had a project called Project A, first film I filmed, you know, since moving back here to Detroit. Uh, it's not available right now for viewing, but as soon as I it is, I'll let everybody know that. But just follow me and stay tuned. Yeah, 10 Bridge, T-I-N Bridge. Films. 10 Bridge Films. Man, make sure y'all support my brother, man. Uh, the the what the nine months after 
Nine months after the nine months after right series now. that's on YouTube right now. Batwoman is starring in it. Batwoman, go, go check it out. That shit is dope. I'll be watching it while I'm at work. Fuck that job. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So definitely go check that out. And like I said, brother, we definitely gonna have to get in and do this again. Absolutely, absolutely. I appreciate you stopping by, man. Thank you. Bro. And with that, we gonna get on up out of here. Wish you would've stuck with me. Now you're stuck. It's somebody else hating every time I look up. Can't keep me down. Can't keep me down. You're so good with explaining your ideas. And you're so cool, Conrad.